Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOSB, you'll be all set for when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams and all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOSB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio on one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're a holiday powerhouse. You host the dinners, shovel neighbors, sidewalks, and make everything from scratch. You definitely don't need help making the holidays happen. But Dunkin's Holiday Blend Coffee? A warming medium roast complete with sweet notes of dried fruit and molasses. Or a cranberry orange muffin made with real cranberries just might convince you a little help never hurt. Especially the hot caffeinated kind. America runs on Duncan. Present participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. This is the captain. Brace for impact. Hello, hello, hello. Davey Portman here from Up Next. And we are back. It's been a while. But prepare for impact. This is Deep Impact, our Impact Wrestling review. Um, and I am not alone today. I am joined by Mr. Shot in the Dark himself, Mr. Sino Evil. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I expect you to have your cowboy hat on and your chaps on, ready to, you know, for a Texas death podcast. But uh, we're going with casual, casual clothes. You know. Time. My chaps are in storage right now, and uh, yeah, I just didn't have the time to get them today, unfortunately. But yeah, uh, a real hardcore country show. Um, Welcome, if you're watching this live, twitch.tv slash upnextpodcast. Thank you for joining us, um, and thank you for listening. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, uh, wherever you found us, we we appreciate it. Um, But yeah, it's the first Impact pay-per-view of the year. And, uh, John, I know you were writing the the reports for post-wrestling for quite a while for Impact, and obviously we've done these shows before, and I know you no longer uh, do the reports, but you still cover it on Shot in the Dark each and every week. And uh, last time we spoke about Impact was uh, Josh Alexander beating Christian at, in, like, the end of the AEW Impact uh, kind of crossover and with uh, Moose then cashing in and beating uh, Josh Alexander to become the Impact World Champion. And it seemed like that forbidden door closed that day. But uh, in the last week, uh, another forbidden door, or two forbidden doors. Uh, I know we hate that term now. But yeah, two doors have opened from um, the announcement of Mickey James, the Impact Knockouts Champion, um, uh, being in the Royal Rumble this year, and uh, ha- what did you think of that news? 
Yeah, I feel like Scott Demore is like the key master. It kind of reminds me of uh, that new Disney movie Encanto, where every door is like a magical uh, door to a new world. And yeah, he's got the WWE world and the uh, Ring of Honor world, and who knows what else. But uh, Scott Demore is the guy with all the keys right now. He's he's just kicking down doors left and right. He's like, hey, I can't work with AEW. I'll work with somebody else, and they're gonna say my name on TV, and they're gonna say my name on Twitter, and they're gonna use women and everything that that AEW didn't do. So uh, it's it's been. Pretty, uh, I didn't expect this at all. Like, I'm watching Monday Night Raw and, uh, or Smackdown. Was it Smackdown? I don't know what show it was. Smackdown, right? Where they mentioned was, Mickey James. Yeah, and, Smackdown, yeah. And I'm just like, wait, did I hear that right? And then, then Pat McAfee's like, oh, the Impact Knockouts Champion. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and then Twitter, they're mentioning it. I'm just like, oh my God, what is going on right now? But, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a crazy 24 hours, uh, to say the least for Impact, but good for them. This is a, this is a great card going into the show, regardless, but I feel like more people might just be interested, maybe checking out this podcast or reading the reports just to find out exactly, you know, what's going on. You know, people are expecting, oh, Mickey's going to just drop the title and she's going to be in the Rumble and she's going to leave Impact. It doesn't seem like they're going that direction. Um, but, uh, it should be rather interesting the next, um, month or so for Impact. Yeah, Keeper of the Keys, Scott Demore, And as we'll get into later in the show, and you kind of alluded to, uh, Ring of Honor really making their presence felt uh, tonight on, on Hard to Kill as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty cool. Mickey James is going to be in the Rumble. I, I personally don't think it's going to be that much more than that. I see from now on it being something that Impact kind of drops every week on TV. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't really hear much on it. Uh, from it on WWE moving forward until the Rumble. But I do wonder if if their plan is the next few weeks in WWE to maybe feature some of these like legends or or like um, someone like Mickie James on TV to lead up to that women's match. Because normally they just, they keep these for sort of the surprise pop. So it's interesting that they've announced not everyone in the match, but uh, a good deal of them. So um, who knows if we'll see her on TV or not before then. But, and of course, uh, uh, the former Tom Phillips, Tom Hannafin, he's been away from wrestling for almost a year now after getting fired by WWE. And one of his, his first instructions is, uh, make sure you plug the WWE Royal Rumble multiple times throughout the show on your first day back to wrestling, which I found that rather amusing. Like, oh, geez. Yeah, it's like, come on, I just got out of there. <laughs> but um, yeah, shout out to um, Tom, Tom Hannafin. Uh, for his job tonight like sounded I, I was always a big fan of him in WWE obviously this is the uh, we're up next we started off as an NXT podcast and we've been listening to Tom Phillips for a long long time and I've always been a fan I think he's a real pro and he slotted in so well to this show and clearly knew all his stuff had done his research it sounded like he'd been with the company for a long time um I, I thought he did a, a great job for his his impact debut and and just makes the show I don't know sound a little classier. Uh, what what were your thoughts oh, yeah. of Tom? Yeah, I mean no disrespect to Matt Stryker or Josh Matthews, but when you just like hear uh, Tom Hannafin, Tom Phillips's voice, it just brings you back to those good memories of uh, NXT or even WWE. He called a, a lot of good shows there, so just that familiarity it just kind of puts you in ease. And yeah, like you said, he didn't miss a step. He just knew all the wrestlers and the storylines and the moves and everything. So uh, very glad to be hearing him and, and knowing going forward he'll be the new voice of Impact. And a lot of people already uh, he knows from WWE, so he'd have been uh, pretty familiar with their work prior to this anyway. Uh, but yeah, I I thought he did a great job. It was a, a great upgrade for Impact uh, for him. And I, I'm glad to see him back in the world of wrestling and hearing his voice again. 
Um, but you mentioned uh, beforehand, without any of this kind of WWE Royal Rumble talk, um, pretty loaded show. I've I've since kind of stopping doing the weekly Impact shows. I, I haven't caught it every single week, so I kind of did a bit of a catch up today on the last couple of episodes and. Um, yeah, looking at the card, like you had uh, Gresham and um, sorry, uh, Gresham and Chris Sabin for the ROH title. You had Jonah, Josh Alexander, Trey Miguel, Steve Macklin, all on the undercard. It looked beforehand like a really uh, solid card, and obviously a couple of matches we didn't get, like the the knockouts. Tag Team Championship. I, I know you, you must have been disappointed on that one after seeing that, that amazing segment they had on this past uh, Impact. Oh, yeah. Taking away the titles and smacking each other around and the new photographers and, yeah. Look, <laughs> I, 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 like the, uh, I like the inspiration, um, but I, I can't say I'm a massive fan of their wrestling, uh, their in-ring work. And I, I do think the show moving the... Um, the X Division title match to the main card, I think it benefited it. And I, I thought um, I thought this show top to bottom was really strong tonight and, and actually lived up to expectations looking at the card. Oh, yeah, for sure. I was very happy going into the show. I didn't think... There's a couple of matches where I kind of was iffy in, and even those, I went with pretty low expectations or pretty happy. But the matches that I knew um, were going to be good, they over-delivered for me. And this show, I mean, we'll get into it, but there was a lot of blood. There was a lot of violence. There was a lot of very scary spots. Uh, I think almost every match, I'm like, that looks like a concussion. Like, it was a lot of scary spots throughout this show. So hopefully, I think I wrote them on a report that hopefully we're not going to see any major injuries coming out of this show because they went above and beyond. They really took that hard-to-kill uh, tagline to heart tonight. Yeah, I, I do feel maybe, uh, I mean, this week, I, I've got to admit, and I don't know how you do it, John, because you watch everything that's out there um, for, I mean, you were doing this before Shot in the Dark anyway, but yeah, you watch all the wrestling that's out there. And I was certainly tapped out. That's not to say we had bad wrestling this week. We had incredible wrestling. Wrestle Kingdom Night 1 and 2. Uh, New Year's Evil delivered for me. Um, obviously, the Hangman Brian match on AEW. And then... Rampage, Battle of the Belts was on today, head to head, and yeah, three nights of Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like there was a lot of wrestling this week. So when I sat down to do a show tonight, I was like, ah, oh, I just I don't want to see any more wrestling. And a uh, little plug, Braden and I just dropped our best match ever part one for 2021, uh, going from numbers ten to six of our best matches of 2021. So we've been watching that as well. So. I wasn't in the best frame of mind to watch wrestling today because I've seen a lot. But um, once the show started, I actually really got into it and was quite happy to sit down for another three hours with with more wrestling. Um, yeah, uh, I've been in quarantine. I actually returned to work back tomorrow. And I was like, you know what? This is actually a pretty good week to be in quarantine because I got these Wrestle Kingdom shows at 3 a.m. in the morning and you have New Year's Evil and Dynamite and this and that. So I was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's a pretty good week to stay home and, and actually catch up to all this show, all these shows live. Because usually I, the shows that I watch, I usually don't watch live. So I'll be honest, there's a lot of shows that do 1.5x or 2x. But a lot of these shows this week I actually decided to watch live. Um, so it was a good week to do that, I guess. But a, a good way to end it. I mean, I still haven't watched Battle of the Bells. And that's, that's another show that's that aired tonight that um, we weren't able to watch because it was going head-to-head with this show. So, uh, yeah, a lot of wrestling this week. Yeah, I don't even know what's happened. Is Dustin Rhodes the new <laughs> TNT champion? <laughs> yeah, no, no, spoilers no, for, no, no spoilers <laughs> for the chat, please. This is an impact-only discussion. Uh, yes. Well, 
we uh, started off with the pre-show where uh, Jake something took on Madman Fulton, and uh, just having Tom Hannafin on on commentary here uh, was kind of fun. With uh, Fulton obviously being a former Sanity member, and Phillips making a little bit of a reference to that, um, but. Jake something won this. I can't say I paid a great deal of attention to the uh, to the pre-show, but uh, a little bit of a, a warm-up match there for this crowd. And uh, then we had Chelsea Green and Matt Cardona backstage being interviewed. Um, they're saying that um, they're recently married and this is their honeymoon. And Chelsea's going to walk out with the big red X from the Ultimate X match and Cardona with the world title. And wedding season is over and it's now championship season. And then uh, our next pre-show match, which I think did get a bit of a- attention, is um, Ace Austin versus Laredo Kid versus Chris Bay versus Mike Bailey, who recently signed with Impact, and this is kind of his debut and his first match on U.S. soil, I believe, for for how long is it? It's been. I looked it up. His last match was in 2016 against Matt Riddle. At Beyond Wrestling, so it's been a while. It's been a while since twenty sixteen. Two thousand sixteen. Wow. Yeah. And originally it was supposed to be Jay something in this match, and then when they took him off, you know, of course a lot of speculation about you know, you catch something, but then you realize, oh, Jake something is there, just in a different match, and that was the right decision because I think putting Speedball and Mike Bailey in, in this match uh, definitely gave it a better, um, better overall feel. I feel like four like real high flying guys, but it was great to see Speedball here, and he looked in tremendous shape. Yeah, it was a real. Fast-paced X Division style match. Uh, some there was like this uh, springboard shooting star to the outside. A uh, speedball just with his incredibly kick. Uh, sorry, incredibly quick kicks to Ace Austin early on, and then he finished the match with the ultimate weapon, which is like a, a shooting star into double knees to the back, uh, yeah. which looked great. And I can I can see him pretty quickly being a, a contender for Trey Miguel down the line. Uh, but good to see. Bailey on a on like a bigger promotion again, and yeah, look forward to seeing a lot more of him. Yeah, and he's only thirty one years old. I feel like I've been hearing about Speedball Mike Bailey for like at least ten years. So I was like, this dude started really. I didn't realize he was that young still, and I haven't been able to see too much of his work because it's been like mostly you know out of states and uh, a lot of matches that weren't on TV. I saw a couple of his shows that he did like WrestleMania weekends, like you know other countries, or whatever. But um, it's good to see him like actually get like a main platform here. Yeah, he, his moves are crazy. At one point, he did like this crazy like spinning kick and the thing Dilo Brown called him Shang-Chi like he was like the way he was moving was ridiculous but um yeah I can't wait to see him fight like guys like Trey Miguel and you know like a Josh Alexander just to see like those two styles I think would be a great match absolutely and we kick off the show proper with uh, the first ever women's ultimate x match uh, to determine the number one contender for the knockouts championship and we had Alicia Edwards uh, versus Rosemary versus Tasha Steeles versus Jordan Grace Versus Lady Frost versus Chelsea Green. Um, both Chelsea Green and Tasha Steeles decided to wear hats to the ring. I thought <laughs> Tasha looked awesome in her kind of uh, like circus ringmaster gear she had. Uh, looked great. And yeah, th- this match was uh, pretty fun and a really hot opener, actually. Um, the bell goes and Jordan Grace and Tasha Steeles immediately start to climb. Um, now, if you haven't seen an X Division, sorry, an Ultimate X match before, you've got kind of scaffold uh, in all four corners uh, with ropes cr- creating an X over the ring with a, a big red X hanging in the middle. And 
similar to a ladder match, you've got to climb to get the X, but to do so, you've got to scale these ropes. So Grace and Steel start climbing immediately as the rest are brawling, and uh, Grace catches Steels with this big spine buster, and then Savannah Evans, who's uh, Tasha's partner, comes down to the ring to help, as it's obviously no DQ. And then Havoc comes out to help Rosemary and actually gets Rosemary on her shoulders to grab the X. But Chelsea Green hits a missile dropkick off the top turnbuckle to knock her off. So like a, like a doomsday dropkick here. Looked pretty good. And now... Uh, Chelsea Green and Alicia are climbing the scaffold and everyone's out on the outside and they both hit tandem cross bodies to the outside, which look great. And then Lady Frost uh, follows up with this swan dive off the apron, uh, sorry, off the turnbuckle to take everyone out. Now, uh, Grace is climbing the rope in the middle and Lady Frost jumps and grabs onto her. And Jordan Grace just showing off her incredible strength because she's just holding onto this rope with Lady Frost dangling from her. Looked really impressive. And then uh, there was this kind of weird-looking assisted code red from Chelsea Green and Steels to Jordan Grace. Uh, didn't go off quite as smoothly as, as I think it was planned, but still looked pretty cool. And then Alicia comes in with Kendra, the kendo stick. And starts lighting up people with it. Starts to climb and is is scaling the ropes and gets speared in midair by Rosemary, like the the Jeff Hardy edge spot here. And and Alicia taking the bump face first to yeah. the mat. Um, looked pretty nasty here. Um, now Tasha Steeles and John Grace are climbing again, and and Grace kind of grabs her and hits. Like a sit-out powerbomb, but both just learning, like landing tailbone first to the mat, looked really painful. And then Lady Frost hits this beautiful-looking moonsault off the scaffolding to the outside. Uh, this looked stunning, I thought. Really, really good. Now, Grace, Green, and Steels are all climbing. Grace gets knocked down, and you've got Chelsea Green and Steels uh, both fighting over the, the red X in the middle and Steels falls first, holding onto the X, and wins the match in 9 minutes, 14 seconds, becoming the number one contender for the knockouts title. Yeah, there's so much I want to say about this match. It was, first of all, it was really good. It was a lot better than I expected. Um, originally, it was supposed to be Rachel Ellering in this match, but she got taken out and replaced with uh, Alicia Edwards, and my first thought was, oh, no, anybody but her, because, I, I mean... Alicia, like, she's just not a good wrestler, but she always tries her hardest, I feel like. And in this match, mm. she tried her hardest. You know, her and her husband, they love those kendo sticks, Kenny and Kendra. Um, but everybody in this match, like, And she took a few big bumps with that with that spear, with the dive to the outside. Yeah, she, and, and that's like, the thing she came to matches. do something. Yeah, this match was only, like, what, a little over nine minutes, and, like, everybody got, like, a big spot in. A Lady Frost, who they recently signed, I think she has one of the most beautiful moonsaults ever. Like, she does, the way she does it is amazing. A Jordan Grace just falling, like, just taking those, those drops. I was like, that cannot be, like, good for you. Um, no. but this, this, this match was, was great. Like I said, everybody got their stuff in. It didn't overstay its welcome. And, uh, good for Tasha Steeles. I mean, Impact is, like, continuing this trend of, like, tag teams breaking up. One of their partners going to AEW, but the person that stays in Impact, is getting like a better position. I feel like first you had Josh Alexander become the champion. Now you have Tasha Steeles going after the Knockouts Championship. You know nothing against um, 
Ethan Page or Kira Hogan, but I feel like Tasha and Alexander are definitely in better positions right now. Um, but yeah, this match was great. I, I, I got a little scared at some spots, but hopefully everybody's okay. Um, but yeah, it was a great match. For nine minutes, thank God it was nine minutes. Uh, if it went anything longer than ten, I would have been like, okay, this is too much. But I feel like, no, nothing was, was too long. Nothing was out of place. Uh, everybody got their moves in, and, and it was a good outcome. I actually didn't expect Tasha to win. I feel like I felt like the story going in was Chelsea Green possibly winning. That way you can kind of, like, get this idea in your head that, okay, Cardona's going to win. Because the whole show they were, like, promoting, you know, there's going to be this power couple. We're going to win these titles together. Um, you know, we're going to hopefully stop spreading whatever was at our wedding. <laughs> That's a whole another story. Every every wrestling organization was represented at that Cardona wedding. And, and surely but slowly everybody's uh, getting sick, I feel like. Uh. Um, but, um, but, yeah, it was a great match. And I'm very happy for Tasha Steeles winning this match. Yeah, I thought it was an awesome opener, um, really delivered, especially being the first ever kind of women's version of this match. I thought it it really uh, exceeded expectations. And I think Tasha Steeles is a great choice. She's someone who's been there a couple of years now, but hasn't ever really been in the in the title scene. So it does feel fresh. We've seen your Rosemary's and your Jordan Grace's flirt around with the title quite a lot. And I think uh, Tasha Steele's going forward against Mickey James feels something incredibly fresh, and she's good. She can talk. She can she can wrestle. Uh, so I'm all for that. And yeah, I just thought really fun opener with some really kind of spectacular spots in there. Yeah, for sure. We then go to a commercial for the the Free Fall movie. Uh, this was all over this show tonight, and all over the ring apron and the the turnbuckle pads. Um, but yeah, some sort of new horror film coming out. You going to check this out, John? I might. They said it was going to be on demand as well as uh, in theater. So yeah, if I'm able to find it on some streaming service, I might check it out. It kind of threw me off in the beginning because the trailer starts with like the the theme song from Candyman, but I'm like, wait, that's kind of weird because that's like known as like the Candyman theme song. Mm. But um, it seemed okay. I think it was like uh the, like the producers of Get Out. So I was like, all right, I got some good people behind it. Um, I won't pay for it. I won't see it in theaters, but I'll, I'll definitely <laughs> check it out if uh, it's available somewhere for me. Tom Hannafin then says like how proud he is to be there at Impact Wrestling and kind of roll calls a lot of the the like announcers who've been there before him, like Mike Tanay, Matt Stryker, Josh Matthews, and says he's honored to be there. So um, yeah, good to have Tom on the call tonight. We get a promo from Mickey James, who's going to be in the main event for the Knockouts uh, Championship, retain, uh, sorry, defending it in a Texas death match. And she talks about History is in the making as the Knockouts champion will be walking into the Royal Rumble, but don't think that's going to get in the way of me tonight defending in a Texas death match. And we've been through a lot, so tonight's match is fitting as everything is bigger in Texas. Because it's not just going to be the one, two, three that you're getting up from, but also the 10 second count. And I'm I'm not going to celebrate about being in the Rumble yet, as I'll be celebrating later as I'm walking out Knockouts World Champion. Um, good promo from Mickey here, just setting up. And first drop of the Royal Rumble. First Royal Rumble drop of many tonight. And then we go to Diona, who's backstage with Matt Raywalt. And Diona says, I'm glad Mickey is confident. She's been clinging onto her 15 minutes of fame way too long. And I have a plan A and a plan B. And that's when Gail Kim walks in, who's the kind of authority figure at Impact, and says that Matt Ray Waltz will be fired if he puts his hands on Mickey James tonight and Diona will automatically lose. And then Diona kind of freaks out saying there's a conspiracy against her. 
and uh, she. This is the first time she's walking in, um, not as champion at an Impact pay per view, and it's going to be the last time that it's that way. And Mickey might walk out tonight, but she definitely will not walk out of the Royal Rumble. So uh, yeah, Diana sounding great as well, like very much like putting a lot for this main event. And that takes us to our X Division title match. Trey Miguel defending against Steve Macklin. And Trey comes out <laughs> with, uh, with some rascals. MSK <laughs> making it over, perhaps. Um, hey, yeah, you, you had out, right? <laughs> two figure, uh, sorry, two hooded figures kind of in the old like rascals MSK style gear, uh, making their entrance with Trey. Uh, but the backs were turned the whole time. So it could have been his boys wishing him good luck and just I not mean, showing their face. Or Tom, it could just be two random guys. Tom, sa- Tom said, like, hey, it looks like a couple of rascals. So you never know. Like, maybe they had an agreement. Like, give us Mickey, we'll give you MSK. But after I thought about it, I realized um, Miguel's been doing, like, Spider-Man, like, entrances. So I guess mm. it was supposed to be, like, multiverse versions of him. I think that's what they were trying to represent, having the three Spider-Man. That's three right. Miguel. Yeah. But, of course, like, sense. you know, our first thought was, hey, it's it's Wesley and... Uh, and what's the other guy's name? Nash Carter. Uh, Nash <laughs> yeah. Carter, yeah. Uh, Wentz and... What were they? Were they Wentz and Dez, was it? In, De- Dez and... and yeah. Yeah. And Wentz, yeah. So many name changes. But yeah, you never know. Yeah. We'll, we'll, never, maybe we'll, we'll never find out. It'll be like that time when CM Punk randomly showed up at, a, at an indie show and gave a yeah. go to sleep. But as Trey is coming to the ring, Macklin just hits him with this crazy tope suicida, jumping the bell. Um... Like, Macklin's a big guy, and he hits this. He doesn't do the the old push tope. He he really comes flying, looks great, and just came out of nowhere in the in the camera shot there. Um, then they're just brawling on the outside. Trey drop kicks Steve Macklin right down the ramp, and then dives into the ring and comes back with a suicide DDT to the floor. Trey then. Uh, they then get into the ring and the match officially starts. Trey goes for a moonsault but gets caught and put in the tree of woe position, setting up for the crosshairs, which is where Macklin hits like a, a spear to an upside down opponent. Um, but Trey gets out of the hold. Um, there's then this insane tope con hilo from Trey to the outside where he he bounces off Steve Macklin and lands in the crowd. Looked absolutely nuts. Uh, Macklin is now just tossing Trey everywhere, throwing him into the ba- uh, barricade. And then Macklin picks Trey out of midair with this huge Urinagi, followed by a butterfly backbreaker, and then throws Trey to the outside and follows up with a Cactus Jack-style elbow drop off the apron to Miguel's back. Uh, Trey goes for the Meteora, but gets caught and set up in the ropes, and Macklin delivers the crosshairs spear, which looked great. Trey starts to make a bit of a comeback with his combination strikes, hits a Meteora off the top rope to Macklin on the apron to the floor, and this looked pretty nasty. As as Macklin fell, his his head just bounced off the, the ring guard there. Um, one of many just quite nasty like head bumps tonight um throws macklin back into the ring it hits the meteora again but macklin kicks out trey then delivers a buzzsaw kick followed by a brain buster and hits the meteora one more time to get the win in 12 minutes 54 seconds 
And as the stipulation goes, Macklin cannot challenge for the X Division Championship again. And Trey Miguel serving him his first pinfall loss in Impact. Uh, what did you think of this match, John? This match was great. I was really looking forward to this match. I was very happy to hear that it, it got moved off the, the pre-show. I think it, maybe because of the tag title match, the knockouts title match, it got pushed off. But it was supposed to be on the kickoff show, so I'm happy that it wasn't. Um, so many scary spots. Uh, when when Miguel landed in the crowd, like he had to make sure that the girl was okay because she like looked like she was like thrown off by it, but she seemed like she was okay. Um, when Macklin hit that the crosshairs, like I thought they they butted heads because they literally were like trapped in the ropes for like a good minute. Minute it felt like I'm like, are they okay? Like they're not even moving, but they seem to be okay. And then that spot with the meteora off uh, the apron into the the barricade and just going back head first. I'm like, geez, like these guys are like really are hard to kill tonight. Um, but it was it was a great match, and I love the finish and just the, the multiple meteoras that he did. And uh, thank you to Knockout Films for uh, confirming that it was a multiverse reference as. Trey Miguel put out a picture of him pointing to the other uh, Trey Miguel's, I guess, in the multiverse. But um, this is oh. a great match. This is a really good match. And I, I don't know what's next. I mean, obviously, the stipulation has to stick. So I'm guessing maybe Macklin causes Miguel to lose to somebody, maybe like a speedball Mike Bailey, and then Macklin can just kind of chase after him. But I've been very impressed with Macklin. I, every time I see him, I say the same thing, like, where was this guy? And how come WWE didn't use him? Like, there's, like, it's crazy. Like, the, the stuff that he can do, we never even saw, like, an ounce of it in NXT or WWE or anything. I mean, the last time they used him, he was, like, that weird hooded character with Baron Corbin, like, in the back with a jacket the, and a hoodie. The, yeah, what were they called? The, the Knights Corbin's of Knights? the Lone Wolves or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I'm so happy for him to be here and actually, like, get to talk and actually get to wrestle and actually, like, show off that he's an actual wrestler. Like, it's it's crazy to think, like, what people can do once they um, step into the forbidden door, whatever you want to call it, and uh, actually do something different than what they were doing before. Yeah, I, Macklin is so impressive. And I, I'm like you. When, whenever I've seen him, I've gone, is this the same guy? Um, he's got a real... Uh, he, he's got a similar thing that Hangman has, and that's big size and like brute strength, but also so much speed, which a lot of his moves just look so deadly, like the crosshairs, like his Tope Suicida, because he's a big guy um, and just has this brute strength and stick speed. I, I think he's awesome. Um, I, I think I still find him pretty generic looking. And, and I don't know what he can really do to switch that up. And I think that's always been the case with WWE. And WWE very much is a kind of aesthetics kind of company. And and that is why I can imagine a Steve Macklin very much getting lost there. Um, but I, I think the, the in-ring ability of him is, is really good. And Trey Miguel, obviously, is always such an exciting performer to watch. So these two gel together really well. Um, yeah, be, be interested to see where they go next do you do you move macklin i assume out of this division and maybe uh maybe more into the uh into the heavyweight picture or um do you see him maybe forming a tag team because uh, he can't challenge for the, this title again or at yeah. least while trey is champion right i was actually thinking of tag team because as you're talking i'm thinking like he's like he's missing something about him he just seems to look like a bland character but if you put him with somebody like diana I mean, honestly, they have a, a real life relationship. Maybe they can gel together, and she can bring something out of him. Why not have her manage, you know, um, Macklin and uh, Matthew Raywalt? Have them go over the tag titles and have Diana kind of be their mouthpiece. Just have him do a little bit something different. But I don't want him to be trapped in the tag team for a while because I feel like he definitely has a future as a singles character. But maybe put mm. him in a tag team just for a little bit, just to kind of like make him gel into more of a character. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, maybe he can somehow still stay in the X division and maybe cost 
Miguel the title and then go after whoever the, the champion is at that point. But I can definitely see him holding the title, whether it be tag team or X Division, before the year is over. We go backstage to The Influence, which is uh, Madison Rain and Tennille Dashwood. And Tennille says that the inspiration were unprofessional as they didn't show up to work. Madison Rain says, yes, it, it was different when you didn't show up to work as you had a photo shoot. And Tennille says, well, maybe one of them should have at least shown up to defend the titles. And Rain is going, well, I, I don't think that's how it works. And we do have an opportunity as on January 27th will be that tag title shot. And then Caleb shows them some photos on his sh- phone that he's Photoshopped with them holding the belt. Um, but yeah, ju- just a little little thing here to say that we are getting that match down the line. Um, I can't wait, John. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I looked at January 27th. That seems like an episode of Impact. That's where the, the match honestly should be. It should have been on this pay-per-view. So let the match happen. Let it happen on a, on a Thursday. I'm, I'm fine yeah. with that. We go to our Ring of Honor Championship match. Yes, you heard right. Uh, The ROH title being defended on Impact for the first time. And we had Ian Riccoboni on the call, joining D'Lo Brown and Tom Hannafin and Bobby Cruz making the the ring announcement. Um, I really like this touch, having these two there. Um, And Ian Riccoboni is great on commentary. I, I really like him. Yeah, I'm a big fan of him. That was one of my favorite parts of just listening to Ring of Honor was him on commentary, just knowing everything and just giving them more like authentic sports feel. So yeah, it was perfect to have him here. And obviously, you know, hopefully Ring of Honor sticks around when they come back in April. But I like how they've been like using Gresham and the Ring of Honor title on like GCW and, and Impact and all these other shows going forward. But yeah, it was cool for Impact to give uh, Rick Amani the stage to, you know, maybe introduce himself to people who aren't familiar with him. And, you know, even like a Bobby Cruz to be there just, just to bring it, you know, just say the rules of the, the the pure rules and all that. So it was really cool to see this get the full Ring of Honor presentation. Yeah, that that was something I don't, as far as I'm aware, wasn't announced beforehand. It was going to be a uh, pure rules uh, wrestling match. No, because is... usually that's just for the pure rules championship, which I think the last exactly. champion, I can't remember who the last champion is for that. I think Josh Woods, possibly. Um, so, like... Yeah, usually the rules are, you know, you have three rope breaks, um, you have, like, one open fist, that you can, a closed fist that you can use. Like, different rules than you have in a, in, a, in a regular match. So, yeah, as far as I know, this wasn't in the in the rule book for this match, but maybe they did it just kind of, like, give it more of a Ring of Honor feel, I guess. Yeah, I think so. And, and Gresham very much associated with that pure wrestling uh, title. So I like the addition of the rules. Um, I, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I like a bit of variety in the matches, and I think... Uh, doing the whole thing with the um, with the only three rope breaks, it means you get a more of a kind of strategic style match, uh, which I, I really appreciated. Uh, Rick Barney also points out that uh, kind of the reason why Chris Sabin's getting this match is because three years ago, he took the champion of the time, Jay Lethal, to a draw and was therefore owed a Ring of Honor title match, which he never got. So this is his opportunity from three years ago. I really like that. I mean, I I don't know if that's why they chose Sabin. I imagine it more being like Sabin's just would be a great opponent for Gresham. But I like that they're trying to actually tie it together somehow. I, I quite like the little little fact there. Yeah, and they also um, went into the history of, you know, Chris Sabin, his time in Ring of Honor, when him and uh, Alex Shelley brought in uh, Jay White 
and Gresham into the search and destroy group and really like kind of put them under their wing. Like they went into that whole history, which made more of a reason to tune into this match. Like, oh, they actually have a history. Chris Saban has that Ring of Honor experience. So he he probably stood out one of the top three people in Impact that would make sense to actually have a Ring of Honor world title match. But yeah, the point that you made perfectly made sense as well. But yeah, this is a great choice to have Saban here. And again, as far as I'm aware, Tom Hannafin hasn't ever called either of these guys, but seemed to really know his stuff here as well and and seemed really like knowledgeable about the two. Um, but we go into the match and there was some really nice chain wrestling to start. And Gresham applies this nasty looking ankle lock, which he transitions into a pin attempt. And then just Gresham's just working over the entire body, moving from limb to limb of Sabin. He starts working the wrist, doing the old joint manipulation. And then Sabin gets into back into it by just hitting this big PK on the apron uh, to Gresham on the outside. Uh, Sabin then hits his like power bomb into the DDT for a two count. And uh, Sabin goes for the pin and Gresham uses up the first rope break uh, to break the pin. Then Gresham comes back with a springboard moonsault, followed by a knee drop to the arm and starts raining down with these elbow strikes and goes for a pin. Sabin kicks out, so uh, Gresham immediately transitions into the crossface. And there's this nice little kind of tug of war as Sabin is is reaching for the rope and Gresham reaches with his other hand to pull the rope back and they're kind of going back and forth and then it's as if um, Gresham just lets him get the rope. It's like, yeah, I'm going to let you waste one of those rope breaks now as I've just put a little bit more damage onto your arms. So it's 1-1 on the rope breaks. Gresham pulls uh, Sabin back into the middle, applies the crossface again and then moves into the octopus stretch um, Saban manages to get out of this hitting the cradle shock and it's one, it's two it's three, your new ring of honour champion, oh no not quite, <laughs> uh, Gresham's foot is under the rope and uh, the referee uh, Brian Hebner here catches it after he made the three count, so it's then announced that Gresham has used up rope break number two we then get more of a strike exchange with chops and open palm strikes uh, Sabin hits this really big chop, but Gr- and Gresham like drops from it, but kips right back up, delivers an enziguri, but Sabin doesn't go down and just slaps Gresham, who then and now Sabin hits an enziguri and Gresham slaps him back. Uh, some just great strikes back and forth. Sabin goes for the Mahastrol cradle, but Gresham counters it to the European clutch to pick up the win in 12 minutes 39 seconds. Yeah, I mean, as expected, like, this match was fantastic. I, I love the spot where Gresham was kind of like, you know what, just get the rope, get the rope break. That way, just use them all. That way I can just make you tap out. Um, my only hiccup was the the spot where he hit the cradle shock, and Brian Hebner counted the three, which, as, as as far as I know, if you count the three, the match should be over. So he should have caught it right before the three, and, you know, saw the foot, and then, you know, not called it, because it didn't make sense. Like, you call the three, you can't just change your mind and say, oh, you know, let's keep it going. Um, and then yeah, Brian, you, the- you got to be looking at those shoulders the whole time. You got to be looking at those ropes the whole time. Yeah, yeah. I, I I didn't really like that spot, but uh, the rest of the match I really dug. That could even play into the story, like, hey, you know, we got all these Ring of Honor people on commentary and ring announcing, but the official is still representing Impact, so maybe they could have done something with that. Um, but the match was great. Um, the, the, the crazy smacks they had with each other, the, the exchanges they had with the, with the smack and the enziguri and then the kick and this 
the whole ending sequence is amazing. And then I love when Gresham just kind of like goes back with that bridge pen and kind of folds his arms back and just looks like the perfect uh, pen. And it was a great finish overall. And I would love to see. I think somebody in the chat room pointed out that I guess Gresham said that every defense going forward will be under pure rules because that's how Ring of Honor was like presented when it first came out. Um, so that's okay. really cool to see him do that. Um, but yeah, this is a great match. And I wouldn't mind seeing Gresham come back and, and fight like a Josh Alexander. I mean, come on. That match would be freaking fantastic. Oh, uh, 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can almost have like, I don't know, Moose denying Alexander the match. So he goes for another world title in the ROH one. Um, but yeah, I, I love this match. I love this style of wrestling. I'm really excited to see Gresham just fly the ROH flag during this, um, like downtime and just go to as many companies as possible defending this thing. Um, there's so many wrestlers I'm excited to see him against. And, and if we get to see him more in impact, as you said, Josh Alexander would be great, but Sabin just the perfect opponent. And again, th- this match, uh, I think perfect length of time. I could have met, I could have probably got a little bit more from it. Um, but yeah, just awesome technical wrestling from these two, as you'd and, expect. And I just got reminded because I totally forgot um, that Gresham actually has his own promotion, Terminus, coming out later this month. And he actually is defending the title against Josh Alexander on that show. Um, I oh. will be cover- yeah, actually, we'll be covering that show. A lot of really good matches. Um, presented on show. I think it's funny because like he's defending the original title against um Josh Alexander and then Bandito is defending the original like the current Ring of Honor world title against somebody as well. So it's kinda cool to have both of those shows. But yeah, it's gonna be his his own promotion um there. But I'm pretty sure we'll see Gresham again in Ring of Honor, especially what happens later on. I wouldn't be surprised if we have some sort of a Ring of Honor impact joint pay per view possibly. It it definitely looks that way. Um final sequence as well was just so exciting yeah. for this match. But Really loved it. They do the code of honor at the end, sign of respect, shaking each other's hands. And we go backstage to Tasha Steeles, who won the Ultimate X match to kick off the show. And she talks about making history. She says, it ain't history if there is no flavor in it. And I created history. I am the culture queen, the Bariqua badass and history maker. And whether it's Diona or Mickey, you have a date on the wrong side of the street. With Tasha Steele's okay. Uh, yeah, she's great. Come great on, promo. Davey, Davey. It, it's not okay. It's okur. That's how you got to do it. Okur. Yeah, okay, there, there I'm we sorry. Go. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> not cultured enough, John. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Tasha sounded great here. And now we go to Josh Alexander versus Jonah. Um, Josh Alexander being pissed off after he had the... Uh, Impact World title ripped from his hands in front of his own child and wife at the uh, at Bound for Glory by Moose, and and he got attacked on Impact by a debuting Jonah. Um, so yeah, Jonah be, being a bit of a heel here in the heel role for this match. Um, yeah, but, and if anybody doesn't know, that's the former Bronson Reed, <laughs> Jonah Rock. In case yeah, guys, Bronson yeah. Reed, jo- yes. Jonah Rock. Yeah, uh, so. Um, yeah, his first big pay-per-view match in Impact here against Josh Alexander. And even though he's the heel, I think he's obviously such a familiar face. Was in NXT, was a North American champion pretty recently before being let go. So there's a bit of a standoff and dueling chance from the crowd. Really into both guys here. Alexander boots Jonah in the face, who just no-sells it. Jonah being quite a bit bigger than Josh Alexander. 
Uh, Jonah goes for his senton, but Alexander rolls out the way and goes to like pick for the ankle lock immediately, but gets kicked to the outside. Uh, Jonah is sat on the apron at one point, and Alexander just runs at him with this flying crossbody through the ropes, um, which looked really impressive, but started off the kind of rib injury from Josh Alexander here, which uh, Jonah just starts working over. He delivers this military press onto the top ropes, and then this kind of modified torture rack, which Josh tries to escape with a backslide, but just can't get the big man down. Uh, Josh starts going for the ankle again and and goes for his C4 spike, but Jonah's too big to be lifted up. Uh, Jonah then just dumps him rib first on the top rope, followed up by a senton. And now we're having a bit of a chop exchange in the ring. Uh, Jonah's delivering these big forearms and Josh uh, clearly been watching his his New Japan is just going, hit me, go on, bring it to me, bring it to me. And gets just rocked completely, <laughs> knocked down by this big elbow. Um, but it's almost played as if it might have been his kind of tactic because now he's on his back. He starts just kicking away at the ankle of Jonah to take him down and then gets him into the ropes, delivers three clotheslines, eventually knocking him to the outside. They're now brawling through the crowd and Josh Alexander delivers this Stiff right hand. It's almost like that, like Kushida baseball punch. Yep. Knocking, uh, knocking Jonah into the seats in the crowd. And Alexander climbs to the top turnbuckle and jumps over the guardrail with this flying forearm, just completely knocking down Jonah. Looked great. And then the ref starts making the count, but Jonah makes it in on nine. Uh, there's this knee drop from Alexander to the back of Jonah's neck. And then a big superplex off the top from Jonah. It's now just a, a hoss fight here. They're, they're slapping each other. There's headbutts. There's clotheslines. Uh, just really just striking each other here. Uh, brain buster from Jonah. But Alexander kicks out. And then we notice that his head is just bleeding. Uh, Jonah's on the top turnbuckle and... Alexander starts getting at that ankle again, but obviously has to break it before the five count. And then Jonah knocks him off the turnbuckle, goes up the top, goes for a moonsault from the big man. But Alexander rolls out the way. We get this forearm from Jonah, a big German suplex from Alexander, followed by a powerbomb. I don't know how he lifted this guy up. And then the ankle lock. Alexander's just stomping away at the ankle, applies it again, and Jonah eventually taps in 16 minutes, 50 seconds. This match was fantastic. Like, I knew it was going to be good, but this is better than I expected. And I honestly didn't know, like, who was going to win. Like, I couldn't predict it because you obviously have Jonah, who just debuted, so you want to look strong. But you have Josh Alexander, who just lost the title, going after the title again, so he needs to look strong. But... Regardless of the result, they both looked freaking amazing in this. That whole sequence where, you know, like you said, Alexander was like, hit me, hit me, and he just knocks him down. And then uh, Jonah's like celebrating, but you saw it was all a plan for Alexander to just kind of chop at his ankle. 
Um, and then, like, just that, that crazy spot with Alexander jumping off the top rope into the crowd while Jonah was sitting. And just the crazy strength um, with the German suplex and the powerbomb. And then that brain buster was scary. Like, it literally looked like he actually busted his brain because the second he dropped, just blood was oozing out. It wasn't the yeah. first time we'd see – it wasn't the last time we'd see blood tonight. But um, this match was amazing. I, I want to see these guys go again, honestly. And I can't wait to see, like, Jonah – fight in new japan strong and fight and impact against all these other people um but this match was fantastic and i definitely want to see part two of this yeah and and alexander really keeping up that streak of just really hot matches he continues to impress me um jonah as well i i liked him in nxt but i remember Braden and i always used to say on on up next kind of when he debuted in that breakout tournament and he was saying you hear about strong style. I want to show the world that I'm the king of Oz style. And I never really saw any strong style from him at all. And this match was exactly that. This was, this was a strong style match. And Jonah really brought it and showed that, that he can do that. And Alexander too. I really enjoyed it. It felt like a kind of good, like G1 style match. Um, a real, just like fight here. Uh, I, I'd be totally down to see it again, but I'm, I'm happy I'm happy Alexander won. It, it's just showing that he's not being forgotten about. He's he's not in the title picture right now, but he's been put in a, a big program against uh, a pretty big name debuting for the company, and and he's picking up the win. So I absolutely see this kind of redemption arc. Alexander going for that title, getting that title that was robbed from him, continuing. Hey, um, and with the the recent releases. I know Jonah's been teasing it. We might finally get that Jonah versus Samoa Joe match that they teased at NXT that we never got. Uh, that could happen. That could happen. Impact, New Japan, who knows? But I feel like they're going to cross paths at one point, and I would love to see jo- Jonah and Samoa Joe. Like That's one of my dream matches right there. Um, kind of like a pass the torch type moment. Um, as somebody said in the chat, Jonah versus Jeff Cobb. That's another great match. There's so many different potentials. Which and I like how Jonah's not like committing to one promotion. You know, Have him show mm. up at a, at a AEW. Have him be like a you know, like a mystery opponent for somebody one week, like Jeff Cobb did at one time, and just give him. Don't don't sign. Don't commit yourself. Just go around and have fun and wrestle everywhere and, and just kick ass, Jonah. You know, Steve Macklin as well. Uh, we're we're saying, what do you do with him? Steve Macklin Jonah feud could be could be a real hoss fight as well. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what what we get from this guy. Um, but yeah, that up to this point, this show really delivering. It, each match is just. Uh, really really exceeded my expectations and a very solid card up to now um, yeah it's funny because we i think you had mentioned also like the first hour was going head to head with battle of the bell so we thought maybe like it would take it easy and put out you know some of the, the, the you know the smaller matches i guess at the beginning but no they went full out like crazy from the start all the way up until 9 p.m which i think is like around the time that this match um ended but um yeah the first hour was was crazy and then you know obviously we're gonna get a a little break now, I feel like, with the uh, Hardcore War. But uh, up to this, it was an amazing show. Yeah. So we get to the, the Hardcore War, and we've got the Babyface team being interviewed by Gia Miller. And uh, I think everyone had taken stuff that 80s wrestlers used to take this, before this, this promo. This was h- hilarious. They're all screaming. Eddie Edwards is like, I have Kenny the candlestick. And then Willie Mack is like, like you said, it was full 80s mode. And the whole time I'm like, there's no possible way that Heath, Heath Slater is going to like be up to this level. And then Rhino talks and it's, they, they look at Heath. All right, let's go to the match. And he didn't get to talk. <laughs> I'm like, that's yeah. perfect. Because Heath would not have been able to like sustain the amount of craziness that Eddie Edwards, Swan Mack, and Rhino had. Because they were like, all into this 80s road warrior promo style and 
they were going crazy and, and it was really like, yeah you know what it was really fun you don't see promos of this style as much anymore and it i totally got those like 80s vibes from this uh you just got Eddie Edwards screaming, it's time for hardcore war. I look at this team we assembled and we will do whatever it takes. We are willing to die if it means winning this match. And it's time to introduce Kenny to Dallas as he holds up the kendo stick. Rich Swan goes, I got four of the most down hardcore suckers ready to get hardcore. Willie Mac, there's no more running, no more near attacks. And then Rhino closing it out with Eric Young. I don't care how many people we have to go with. Tonight, I'm going to twist your head off, kick it down the street, twist it back on just so I can reach down your throat and pull out your intestines. And Eric Young, I'm going to make you bleed. And the whole time, Heath is just being a woo girl behind them. He's just like, woo, yeah. (laughs) Uh, It was was pretty fun. I, I quite enjoyed this. I thought it was great. So we go to our hardcore war match, which is essentially war games with one ring and no cage. So every you're going to start with two people. Every three minutes, a new member of a team is going to enter and they're going to keep going until all 10 men uh, are in the match. And then it's win by pinfall or submission. And obviously there is no disqualification. So we start off with Dina versus Rich Swan, and Dina sends Swan headfirst into a steel chair, which is set up in the corner, uh, starts waving around the violent by design flag. Uh, I should say who the participants are, I guess. It's it's um, it's the, the guys we just mentioned, Eddie Edwards, Rich Swan, Willie Mack, Rhino and Heath, taking on violent by design. So Eric Young, Dina and Joe Doring with the Good Brothers, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. Yeah, and the story being that Rhino was recently part of Violent by Design, and he slowly but surely got kicked out. Uh, His friend Heath came and saved him, Um, so they formed an alliance with Mac uh, Swan and Eddie Edwards, and the Good Brothers and Violent by Design are forming this temporary alliance to take down these bad guys. And during this match, as everybody came out, everybody had their weapon of choice. So Diener, I think, had a trash can, and Swan had the steel chair. And as everybody came out, they had their their weapon, their trusty weapon that they chose to go into battle with. That's right. And Dina clearly impressing me with a side Russian leg sweep with the flag. Looked great. And then Devil in Your Six plays. Carl Anderson comes out with a golf club and Rich Swan kicks him in the face and this golf club goes flying and it just disappears. It flies right out the ring. I'm worried for this poor crowd who have already had uh, like three different guys just fly into the into the crowd at some point. Um, but Swan goes and gets this club, low blows Anderson with it. But then Carl uses his tag team title belt on Swan. But Willie Mack runs out to even the odds. It's now two on tour, two on two, and he brings out a door. And I quite enjoyed the crowd here. They're doing kind of the Rhino Gore chant, but with door, <laughs> door, door. They set up the chairs to kind of make the door across them like a table. And they go to superplex Dina through it. But Anderson makes the save and they deliver a 3D through the door uh, to this is to Anderson, I believe. Right. Uh, To Gallo uh, to Anderson and then Gallows came out. Yep. Then Gallows runs out for the save. Um, 
he grabs the golf club and a trash can and puts the trash can on Willie Mac's balls and smashes it with the golf club. That's pretty much all Gallows did in this, apart from bleed. Um, then, I, I, lo- I love how his partner is like getting his ass kicked, and then you know the devil. The music hits, and Gallows is just like, "I'm gonna take my time and just you know walk slowly walk to, to the, the ring. ring." It's like, come yeah. on, like show some effort, you know? Yeah. Eddie Edwards then comes out with Kenny the kendo stick. Uh, he hits this crazy tope suicida, just smashing into the guardrail. And then grabs a Michelob Ultra that someone in the front row is drinking oh, and, and geez, drinks from on, it. Uh, Omicron don't exist in Texas. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's Texas. Uh, need some of those light beers to refresh. Uh, Eric Young then ra- runs out with two trash can lids and just smashes Eddie over the head with it. You've got Dina biting down on Edward's head. And then Heath runs out and <laughs> Heath's... <laughs> Heath's what? weapon of choice is powder. <laughs> Baby powder. He he did eventually have like a lead pipe in his back, but it's funny you see him come out and he has his hand, and I'm like, I'm looking, I'm like, what is that? Like brass knuckles? Like, what is this? And you just whoosh, the powder yeah. right to the, the face. <laughs> I mean, it worked. It, yeah. it, it took out Anderson, but it That's is true. funny. You've seen people run out with doors, with steel chairs, with trash cans and and Heath runs out with powder. Hey, he he has kids, so he has a lot of baby powder. What can I say? Yeah. He then starts using a pipe, though. There's a trash can on Dina's head, and he strikes it with the pipe. And then Mac grabs the trash can, climbs to the top, and hits a moonsault, but misses. So just comes crashing down on this, now, on this trash can. I don't can. understand this. Even if the person was there, and he hits it, he's going to take the brunt of it. Like, he's landing on a trash can. Like... I don't, I don't know. Wrestling, right? I guess. It, it would hurt both. I, I, I mean, you're squashing the other guy. Yeah, I guess. And hitting this trash can. But yeah, it's wrestling logic. Um, and talking of wrestling logic, Joe Doring comes out and doesn't need a weapon because he is the weapon. Um, yeah, Doring, there's this kind of completely messed up Tower of Doom spot here, which looked awful in the corner. And... and like Tom says on commentary, oh, it, he did hit a double power bomb there, but it it really looked pretty awful. It was terrible. I'm sorry, it was really bad. Yeah, Rhino then comes out with a chain and just smashes Doring in the head with it. A uh, gallows gets sent into the ring post, and and now the crowd are chanting "Hardcore War, Hardcore War," and you see Gallows is just leaking blood. Edwards is bleeding. And the two sides, all ten men are in the ring now, and they do kind of the the NXT War Games spot where they they square off and just start brawling. There's this, is it Cole Anderson? I think eats this, or is it Gallows? Eats this kendo stick shot right to the head. Just looked awful. Yeah, I think it was An- I think it was Anderson. Yeah, this this at this point everybody was busted open. I felt like the entire match, like everybody was bleeding. I'm like, oh my goodness, everyone's bleeding. Uh, Ed, Eddie Edwards attempts to set the kendo stick on fire and he gets a little bit of a flame but it just looks like a giant matchstick so as soon as he like waves it to like hit gallows with it it immediately goes out I feel he needed to let the fire maybe 
spread a bit more. Yeah, fast. and or um, or maybe just take maybe just take the tip of the fire and just you know jab them in it. Like nobody told Eddie that if you like swing a cigarette something, burn. Yeah, nobody told him if you swing it, it extinguishes the fire. So and plus, <laughs> just like come on. But yeah, he hit gallows with it, and I guess gallows sold it as if he got burnt. But. Yeah, there's then a pile driver from Eric Young through the table. And a a barbed wire board is then brought out and set up in the corner. Doring hits a Death Valley driver to Rich Swan through the barbed wire board. And then we get the gore to Carl Anderson. And Heath covers Carl and picks up the pin in 23 minutes, 23 seconds. Um, they're alluding to the fact now Rhino and Heath have pinned the tag champions. So they'll probably be next in line. Um, but longest match on the show so far. Um, yeah. Thoughts on, on this one? Right before he hit the gore, uh, Heath grabbed a Dallas Cowboys helmet from under the ring, which got a big pop from the crowd, except for right. Tom, Tom Hannafin, who was like, go Eagles. I think the, actually the Eagles were playing the Cowboys tonight, believe it or not, going head-to-head with this. But that was a nice little spot there. Um, Rich Swan selling that Death Valley driver through the wooden board. He was screaming like he was freaking about to die. Um, that pile driver that, that Young gave to Edwards through the table, there was a lot of crazy stuff here. Like I said, everybody was bleeding. A lot of blood being exchanged here. The the ring was a mess. I mean, this is like this is disgusting. There's, there's beer being passed around between fans and, and the audience. Like, yeah, this. But you know what? The match was a lot better than I expected it to be as far as like entertaining. It wasn't like boring. It wasn't like what we're used to in the past with like Eddie Edwards and Tommy Dreamer just randomly battling through an empty arena, whatever the hell they were doing last year. Um, but mm. you know, the match, the, the thing is, it, it, it was way too long. Like, they they should have just started the match with everybody in the ring because we had to wait, what, three minutes before the next person came out, then another 90 seconds intervals. It was way too long. By the time the actual match, started it was like 15 minutes into it so it's like come on 23 minutes like way too long um but i think this whole thing was to set up the the angle after the match which we'll get into but as far as the match goes like it too long but it wasn't as bad as i expected that's all i'll give it no i mean it it was pretty sloppy the whole thing but some of the spots were pretty entertaining and i i think you you've had like four really well like You've had the Ultimate X match and then three really solid singles matches. So you needed something of a bit of a, like a breather before the two main events. Um, but I agree with you. It would have probably worked just all 10 going at it right away. Um, it didn't you know really justify to be this length. What's that? The match needed William Regal to come out and go, Hardcore War! That's Hardcore War. That's all we needed. Yeah, it, it felt a lot for like a a a mid to low card feud as well. It didn't feel like the level when you're getting a war games or a blood and guts match, which really feels like a, a main event kind of thing. It's, I mean, everyone was bleeding in this thing. There were so many headshots and stuff. I, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would, but a little over long. But after the match, the big moment here is the baby faces are celebrating when Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, PCO, Vincent, and Maria Canellis run out and just start attacking. They're beating down, yes, Ring of Honors invading. And there's did you see this spot? Um that they're attacking and Rich Swan is on the apron and PCO hits a swanton onto his face. Oh yeah, that's on the just, apron. That's just your usual PCO spot. I feel like he's been doing that forever. Um yeah, I didn't expect this 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 whole angle. That's like, insane. Yeah, I mean, 
I mean, I don't know if you've been following Ring of Honor, but these are, like, some of the big names, obviously, from Ring of Honor. Only yeah. thing that makes sense was that, like, Vincent has been in this blood feud with Taven and Bennett when they were part of the OGK. But, obviously, they're collaborating for the benefit of Ring of Honor. But this was really cool to see. And, like, I like the part how they were coming out, like, one by one. Like, you had Bennett and Taven, so you're thinking, okay, it's just the OGK coming to Impact. And then, like, Vincent randomly comes in, and then PCO is, like, making his way in and gets a big pop. So the fact they were coming, like, more and more, you're like, okay... We're getting, like, a Ring of Honor invasion. Like, at first you thought it was just Taven and Bennett debuting, but, like, now we're getting a full-out invasion, and then they come to the ring and they bring in the first lady of Impact. I'm sorry, the first lady of Ring of Honor, uh, Maria Canales, um, which was really cool to see. So, yeah, it definitely gets the um, the ball rolling here on, on some sort of invasion or partnership with Ring of Honor, which makes perfect sense. Like, if they're not doing anything for the next three months until April, have them do an angle with Impact, and then obviously what, they, they go to Scott Demore after, and he's like, I'm going to call Baltimore and see what's going on here. So they really, like, made this um, seem pretty cool. Like, and we've seen plenty of, of invasion angles, but this being from an actual, like, established company like Ring of Honor, where, you know, they have a lot of crazy talent, um, definitely got a lot of ears, I think, buzzing off of this. Yeah, I, I like this. And and what what I like is they're more on the same level. Um, with, with the AEW Impact thing, AEW never really took them too seriously. You know, it's there was some talent trades and whatever, but AEW never really acknowledged Impact at all on TV, and it it did feel like kind of big dog, little dog, you know. Whereas here, I think Ring of Honor is kind of more on Impact's level, and it it gives them a presence while Ring of Honor's kind of down for the first quarter, if assuming they they are coming back. Um, and I, I think this this makes impact interesting like it gives it a bit of a shot in the arm um and you've got some like some great talent in in roh so if we get to see these guys if we get to see gresham a bit more uh we do see roxy in the crowd later for the the women's title match so um yeah I, i'm all for this so do you think they're gonna like go like full full-fledged like like a joint pay-per-view and have like ring of honor versus impact matches because that's something i could definitely see happening you could do that or do um, at, what is it next, Rebellion? Rebellion is the next, the next big, big pay-per-view in April, yep. I mean, you could do like a 4-on-4 a four four or a 5-on-5 five five or something there. Hey, that um, would be a, a good a good WrestleMania. They're going to go back to Dallas for WrestleMania. That's a great WrestleMania weekend, like, super show. Ring of Honor versus um, Impact. That would be Absolutely. Oh, I would love to go yeah. to that, yeah. Yeah, that I makes want, sense. I want to see a video, like a behind-the-scenes video, somebody filming, like Ian Riccoboni, who's backstage, like being all, you know, buddy-buddy with Scott Demore. Then when Scott Demore walks away, you just see Ian Riccoboni just kind of open the back door, and the guys just start running in, like, you know, <laughs> we're going to invade. So I, have fun with it. You know, invasions are always always fun, as long as they're, they're done right, I guess. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this, and hopefully we get a lot of good matches out of this. Yeah, absolutely. We go to our Impact World Championship match. Moose defending the title against W. Morrissey and Matt Cardona. Um, now, John, may, maybe uh, give our listeners a little kind of recap of how these three have come together. Um, so Moose and Morrissey had like this, I guess, partnership going on for a while. And they were kind of helping each other win and everything. But then Morrissey was getting a little pissed off. Like, hey, you know, you're just you're getting, you know, I'm not getting any title shots. I'm helping you win here, but I'm not getting any title shots. And eventually it led to them kind of breaking apart. And then Cardona, you know, became number one contender, and then they made it to a triple threat match. And then there was one segment where Moose hit Chelsea Green, 
with a chair shot like, during the contract signing. Um, so yeah. that's like been one of the to the head. Going, yeah, so that's been one of the storylines going into this is all you know Chelsea Green saying all oh, Moose's, you know, trying to get into your head, Cardona. It's right before your wedding. You know, you're not you're not focused. Um, you know, I'm over here taking pictures with Joey Janela. Like there are a lot of things going on in Cardona's head right now. So um, that was going into this match, but um, yeah, they made two triple. I'm actually happy that this wasn't the main event because I feel like it didn't really have too much going into it. It was just like a triple threat match with three guys that aren't. I mean, Moose is good. The other two aren't like the best known wrestlers, I guess. Um, nothing against Cardona, but I just feel like he's not really like known to be in the main event scene. No. Impact, at least. Um, so I wasn't really looking forward to this match that much. Um, with all the talk that Morrissey was saying lately about being alone, being alone, being alone, I know you had mentioned, is he going to have a certain uh, little blonde guy maybe come in and help him? And luckily that, w- that wasn't the case for this match. But um, yeah, I didn't really, did, you know, I wasn't really liking this match going into it, so I wasn't expecting it to be that good. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm someone who has been uh, high up on Moose's work, but not so much the other two. And... And I often think Moose works better against kind of smaller opponents as well. So to be up against two other bigger guys, I can't say I was too looking forward to this one or really seeing there being a situation where either Morrissey or Cardona win it. Um, Was a bit of interest because they were really hitting you over the head with Morrissey being on his own, on his own, on his own. Um, But I guess he was just being truthful because it ended up he was on his own the whole time and we didn't get anything there. Um, well, let's get into the match itself. Uh, it starts off pretty frantic. We get a apron bomb from Moose to Cardona. Uh, Moose hits his like huge running step-up crossbody off the top rope to Morrissey, which always looks so impressive for a guy his size. Like His athleticism's pretty cool. Um, Moose hits the go-to-hell, like the sit-out chokeslam on Morrissey, but Cardona breaks it up with a leg drop. And then starts delivering the reboot, uh, formerly known as the Broski boot, to both guys in each t- corner over and over again. There's then a kind of Tower of Doom powerbomb fallaway slam spot. Uh, Moose then goes for a powerbomb on the floor to Cardona by the stage. And this is where Chelsea Green comes out and sort of distracting Moose. And Moose says, fuck you. So Chelsea goes, no, you know what? Fuck you. Flips him off and hits a crossbody off the stage, <laughs> taking out Moose. Uh, Morrissey then hits a slingshot plancher to the floor. Um, and then back in the ring, Moose gets thrown into the corner, goes for his step-up crossbody again, and Cardona shoves him off. And Moose goes flying through this table at ringside, but his head pretty much smashes through this table to the concrete on the floor. This looked nasty. This was scary. And even, like, when they initially showed it, you just saw the camera of just, like, the top rope. You didn't even see, like, where Moose landed right away. So you're just like, was he meant to do that? Like, where did he fall? What happened? Yeah, I was very scary for this. You you look at the him on the floor, and you barely, the table's, like, by his feet. So all you see is his, his head by the, by the floor. I'm just like, oh, God, did this go wrong? But luckily he was able to get up after that. Yeah, he hits this move so quickly where he runs up the turnbuckle and was shoved immediately. Like, there was no, like, time for him to really balance or, like, prepare the fall. It it was very similar to kind of the Kenta spot um, off the ladder. Uh, The the landing looked nasty, and I I wouldn't be surprised if we hear, like, he he bumped his head pretty bad. Um, But luckily, he managed to get back into the match. Morrissey then comes in with a prosthetic leg. Um... (laughs) 
What what's the re- relevance of this, John? There was a uh, a Diesel Shawn Michaels match. Uh, I think it was one of the in your houses, if I'm not mistaken, where he like Diesel. Okay. Took, I think it was like Mad Dog Vashon's like prosthetic leg from the audience. So it kind of gave me those vibes, you know. Obviously with Morrissey being tall like Diesel, I'm like, is this supposed to be like a you know a throwback to the to the, the Shawn Michaels Diesel spot? But yeah, I don't even know where the hell this this like leg even came from. And on top of that, like before we even saw the leg, Dilo Brown's like talking about it, so he's like. Uh, I don't know what's going on right now, but but there's a leg, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and next thing I was getting, little... I was getting Rocket Raccoon vibes. <laughs> okay, yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah, grab that a was, limb. Uh, yeah, every, you know, every ten years or so, you need a good uh, leg spot in a match. Yeah. Um. So he's swinging around this prosthetic leg, but gets hit by radio silence. But he kicks out. There's then a big choke slam to Cardona from Morrissey. And Cardona comes back with the radio silence off the second rope. One, two, but Moose emerges from the dead and pulls the ref out of the ring, breaking up the count. Uh, Moose then goes to the co- go to hell on Cardona, but Cardona rolls through with a victory roll. Um, Moose then goes for the spear, but Cardona moves out the way and the ref eats this spear. Great ref bump here. Um, there's then the radio silence attempt again, but this is escaped. And now Morrissey hits the power bomb to Cardona, but the ref is down. So Morrissey goes to the outside, brings in a load of chairs, but Moose emerges, hits a low blow to Morrissey, starts swinging this chair. Now Cardona's coming in with chair shots, but there's a low blow to Cardona. And then Chelsea Green grabs the chair from Moose. And they they recreate the the angle that happened on Impact TV where uh, Ryder, sorry, Cardona swings the chair and Moose gets out the way. But this time he kind of holds up up to not hit Chelsea. And then Moose swings at Cardona, but Chelsea gets in out of the way. But then Moose picks up Cardona and power bombs him into the corner on the new referee, Brandon Toll and Chelsea Green both getting squashed in the corner. Now two referees are down, and Moose hits the spear, um, but there's no ref. The first ref slowly crawls back in, and it's a one, two, three. And Moose pins Matt Cardona and wins, retaining the Impact World title in 15 minutes, 58 seconds. Yeah, those are lot of shit going on at the end of this match usually when i finish the match like my report is like you know good but for this i had to like rewind to say what the hell happened here because you had like three referees got taken out there's a chair shot here a chair shot there and you're dodging this it was a lot of like the the ending was a little like over the top like like i don't there's a lot a lot going on basically but the match it was you know it was all right it was better than i expected it to be morrissey definitely did more than i thought he was gonna do in this match like he came in on a mission like hey i'm gonna outshow these guys um but the match was what it was. I didn't expect any title change here. I didn't expect any, like, big angle or anything. Um, the fact that it wasn't, like, the main event, I'm like, okay, it's not going to be that good of a match or nothing's really going to happen out of it, I guess. Um, but it was what it was. Like, I just I, at this point, I just want Moose to move on and move on to his next challenger. Um, who is it going to be? Who knows? Uh, maybe back to Alexander. But, um, yeah, this match was, eh, I don't know. Didn't really like it. I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Um... I did. I I thought the pace they worked, especially in the first half of the match, um, they worked a lot quicker than I was expecting. Um, but yeah, I, there was never any doubt that any of the other two were going to win for me. 
and it got very overbooked towards the end. Um, this just didn't feel like a, a match for one of their big pay-per-views. I, yeah. I think when you look at some of the other people they have, um, you could have even just brought Jonah in right away for that big match or something. I, I don't really, I didn't really buy these two as really worthy contenders for one of their main pay per views. Um, yeah, if this was an Impact this is, Plus one, it, exactly, this feels about right. Mm-hmm. Definitely feel like an Impact Plus pay, uh, main event for sure. Um, but yeah, just I don't know, just didn't really do nothing for me, unfortunately. It exceeded my expectations, but it was definitely one of my lesser favorite matches on the show. It was definitely down there for me. And that takes us to the main event, which is for the Knockouts Championship match. It's a Texas death match, uh, which means you've got to pin your opponent and then have them stay down for the 10 count. Uh, we did see AEW do it recently where they just did it kind of like a, more of a last man standing much, match, but this is like the traditional Texas death match here. Um, and it's Mickey James defending the title against Diona Parasso. Uh, Mickey winning the title from Diona at the, the last big pay-per-view bound for glory uh, towards the end of last year and and then pointing out that this is the first pay-per-view that Dionna's come in since joining Impact where she hasn't been the champion. So there's this quick roll-up from Mickey early on um, for the three count, but Dionna stands up right away. So Texas death matches are a little weird because similar almost the the pure rules thing, it's kind of You've got to use these pins strategically and try to make them work into the story. So it's, yeah, Diona gets pinned immediately, but she's like, well, I can afford that pin because I'm going to stand up right away anyway. It's it's definitely an, an odd match type, um, and it, it doesn't always quite work for me. But Diona gets the Venus de Milo locked in uh, right after, and Mickey taps right away and gets right back up. And this is when we see Roxy at ringside. Uh, now they start introducing a bunch of chairs. Mickey has a wheelbarrow. There's Diona with a golf club. Uh, Diona hits a suplex onto the stage and then goes backstage and comes back with a, a flight case, one of the big production cases on wheels, and rolls it right into Mickey's face, pins Mickey on the stage, and now the 10 count starts and we see that Mickey is bleeding Back in the ring, Diona swings with a chair but gets caught in a single-legged Boston Crab. And this is where I, as far as I'm aware, I didn't think you had submissions in a Texas death match. And this is where it made no sense to me. Because you had Mickey earlier in the match get put in the Venus de Milo. And she's like, well, I'll just tap out immediately and then the 10 count will start and I'll get out. But there's Diona kind of selling here this submission and reaching for the ropes and i'm going well just just tap well because you're not gonna yeah i mean well earlier on when she put the venus de milo on she tapped out and then you still had to get up from the 10 count what didn't make sense to me was she grabbed the rope and like make you let go it's like there is no rope break just keep it on who cares you know um yeah it was a little weird i guess the rules like matches like this like the rules are very very like weird to get around i guess it should just be pin, pinfall and then the 10 count. Like the submission yeah. thing makes zero sense because then it's it's a death match where you apply the submission and they're tapping and it's like, okay, I'm not winning, but I still like a, apply this move because it's no DQ. 
Wasn't there? Um, I mean, just, maybe maybe I'm, I don't know if it was a death match, but wasn't there a match where, like where like the person had to quit and then there was a ten count? Or am I thinking of? Or am I just making that up? Like I feel like they've done that before, right? Like where you quit and then there's a ten count. Like I don't know. I'm I feel not like sure. that's it. Might have happened in some place, but yeah, right. the rules are kind of. I think they they probably didn't know the rules themselves. They're just like, oh, call it Texas. We're gonna, we're in Texas and just do whatever yeah. you want. Use weapons. Mickey then takes off the chaps. To, so now she's in little little Dixie Dukes here. Um, and then starts kneeing Deonna in the face. So she reveals she's got like this big knee brace on under the chaps. Starts kneeing Deonna in the face. Deonna goes to the outside and brings out thumbtacks. And Mickey goes to the Mick DD, uh, sorry, the Mick DT on the tacks. But Deonna counters it and boots her in the face. And Mickey takes this back bump all onto the tacks. You see it all in her back. Looks great. Uh, Deonna then starts choking her with the chaps. And Mickey taps out, which starts the count. And then Mickey grabs uh, a guitar that says Hardcore Country on it. And makes them... She was a bit of an idiot here. She poses with this guitar. And Deonna just attacks her from behind. Well, Dino Brown mentioned how, like, all night long, Mickey James was up, like, just making this. Like, I'm just picturing her, like, putting glitter and just, like, making this all night. All proud of it. <laughs> so when she takes it out, she's like, yeah, that's what I made last night. Like, I don't want to use it. <laughs> <laughs> Deonna starts attacking uh, Mickey with chair shots. And now... And then Mickey hits Deonna in the head with the chair... So now Deonna's bleeding. Mickey hits the Luthes press off the apron uh, to the floor to Deonna um, and pins Deonna on the floor. And then the referee starts counting and getting to like seven, eight, when Matt Raywalt runs out to pick up Deonna to get her on her feet. Then Mickey jumps off the top to take them both out. They're fighting in the ring and Mickey... Uh, sorry, uh, Deonna delivers the uh, Queen's Gambit, the pile driver, through the table, but both get up at nine. And then uh, Mickey, how shall I describe this? Grabs Deonna by the cooch? Like, what yeah. should I say here? <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a throwback to the Trish Stratus, Mickey James spot, if anybody knows yeah. that. Yeah. A low blow, let's put it that way. Yeah. So, but it was very uh, gentle. There's a low... she, 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 yeah, it was very gentle. It wasn't with much force. It was more of a... Yeah. Okay. A grab. Um, <laughs> and then grabs the guitar and smashes um, Matt Raywald in the head with this guitar. This looked worse than the, the Tana Kenta one. Like, this looked like a legit guitar. It didn't smash or anything. Just knocked this poor guy out. <laughs> and then follows up with the Mick DT on the thumbtacks and just buries Deonna under the rubble of all the chairs and the broken table and the 10 count is counted, and Mickey James retains in 19 minutes, 43 seconds. Yeah, the match was good. You know, it wasn't like, it didn't blow me, like, like it wasn't, like, amazing. But um, the problem with these matches is, like, you don't have, like, that big one, two, three, the match is over. It's like, one, two, three, okay, now let's see, like, if they're going to get up. And then they tried to make it exciting by having, like, Mickey put the table and chairs on top of her. But it wasn't, like, that really, like, that big moment. I guess the big moment was Deanna uh, grabbing. Um, but the match was good. Um, a lot of bloody spots i think this show i mean not kind of like gcw or any of like hardcore shows probably had the most like people bleeding throughout the show i there was at least like eight people that were bleeding through the show including these two women um but you know a lot of good spots here a lot of you know smart spots the thing i didn't like was the queen's gambit off the top rope and like mickey not even coming close to hitting it, and it was all diana going through the table so that, that didn't make sense to me um the ending was a little weird like she like hit the chick kick 
to the face of Diana, and then she like tried to go with the McDDT, but like Diana wasn't really like getting up. Like I don't know if it was, uh, maybe she legit got got hurt earlier in the match when she got hit with that chair shot to the head when Diana was on the top rope. That was a vicious chair shot to the head. It so was. Not, it really I would, was. I honestly would not be surprised if the reason why Diana couldn't get up for the the McDT um, could it be maybe she wasn't fully there. Honestly, wouldn't be surprised. Because um, I, I I think the DDT was meant to be like right in the middle on all the thumbtacks. Like there was some thumbtacks there, but yeah, it, it wasn't really. So uh, yeah, they yeah, could have really rocked hit, her because it was a it was a nasty chair shot. We'll find out because tomorrow they're going to be back in Texas. They're filming for the next couple weeks of Impact, and Deanna's supposed to be fighting Roxy for the Ring of Honor Women's Title. So we'll find out if that happens tomorrow. Um, but yeah, the match was 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 okay. It was good. A lot of people ex- just expected Mickey to lose after the Royal Rumble announcement. Like, oh, there's no possible way she's going to go into the Rumble as the Knockouts Champion. Like, why not? She doesn't have to bring the belt with her. But they already announced her as the Knockouts Champion. Like, you think? I mean, yeah, WWE probably does has done more petty things, but. Okay, like it wouldn't put it past them to actually have a, another, another champion in the rumble. Why not? It doesn't hurt them. Um, but yeah, I was happy with the outcome, and um, I guess we're gonna go right to Mickey and Tasha Steels as the next uh, as the next uh, match for. Her. So that should be a good match. Yeah, I assume so. Yeah, I I didn't really like this match too much. I, I like both Deonna and Mickey, and there were some cool spots in it. I do find the the Texas Death Match. Like stipulation just doesn't really make too much sense, um, and, and I think that as I said earlier, the stuff with the submissions just made zero sense. Um, you've got when I've seen it done well, this stipulation. I think we did. Brayden and I talked about one um, from a Halloween Havoc, which was Vader, Cactus Jack, yeah. and I think you've got a. It's playing it a bit more strategically. It's it's kind of like the the rope breaks in the Pure Rules. It's it's you kind of deliberately take a fall because then the, the other person's not meant to attack you in the 10 seconds. So you, you're, you're using that 10 seconds to kind of recover a little bit almost. And yeah, the stuff with submissions just made no sense. And I think the problem was you saw quite a lot in that in that 10 man, in that hardcore match. Like there was yeah, a lot true. of blood, a lot of crazy spots. At one point, the crowd were, were like chanting, we want fire because you saw the table set up and it, it did feel like that. It's like, okay, how are these women going to outdo what we've seen earlier in the night? Cause we've already seen the like ultimate X match. We've already seen the, the hardcore war match. And I guess we had the thumbtacks, but it, it really felt like they were going to like up the ante even more with something really crazy. And I mean, both worked hard. They were both bleeding. There was some, as you said, I wouldn't be surprised if Deanna might be a little rocked from this. But compared to the rest of the show, I don't think the two world title matches delivered as much as the other singles matches on the show. Yeah, I, I highly enjoyed this show. It's going to be very hard for them to top. I think this is like Impact Special of the Year, I feel like. Um, definitely recommend the first hour. Definitely check out Gresham and Sabin. Check out uh, Macklin and Miguel. Check out the Ultimate X Knockouts match. It was really good. Uh, but my match of the night was Jonah and Josh Alexander. The, those two just totally impressed me. Um, went above and beyond what I expected from them. I just, I just want to see him wrestle over and over again, honestly. And I want to see him wrestle other people. Josh Alexander is my wrestler of the year last year. The match he had with TJP, the Iron Man match, was one of my favorites. Um, definitely like top five matches, I think. A lot of people might not have put that on their list, but 
give it a chance. I know it's an Iron Man match, but definitely check it out if you haven't already for 2021. Um, but yeah, the show was, it was a really, really good show. Just a lot of like scary spots. I, I, I hope that like we're not going to get a lot of injuries, um, out of this. Um, and just hearing Tom Hannafin, Tom Phillips just commentate just made this, it felt like, honestly, it felt like one of the old like NXT shows. You had a lot of the familiar faces there. You had your Jonah Rock. You had your, you know, other familiar names that we remember. And just like the constant Royal Rumble and WWE references just made this like a really like surreal experience. Um, but hopefully, you know, with, with the WWE involvement and the Ring of Honor invasion angle, Hopefully people will check it out. I know last year, Kenny Omega gave him a little bit of bump around this time of the year. So maybe this year it'll be Ring of Honor. Maybe it'll be WWE. Who knows? AJ Styles might show up. He's been showing up everywhere else. So you never know who might show up uh, to uh, Impact in the next coming weeks. And they have their next big show is going to be in April in Poughkeepsie, as um, Davey Portman once said. (laughs) And uh, I wouldn't mind going to that show because the next show they have there, I don't want to go to. It's Northeast Wrestling. And it's Braun Strowman and Eric Rowan against Enzo Amore and Bully Ray. And I don't want to see that show. So I'd rather wait. Uh, wait till April and watch uh, Rebellion instead. Yeah, it's a- April twenty third, I yeah. believe they said. Um, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this show. Um, even the, the matches I I didn't like, I still enjoyed. You know, I, I didn't like them maybe from kind of a technical point of view, but I still got some like entertainment from it. And the first four matches, I I really enjoyed. It's it's definitely my favorite Impact pay per view I've watched since kind of covering it the last couple of years. Uh, I was really impressed. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd go between like the Jonah Josh Alexander match or the Ring of Honor match. Um, perhaps I, I thought both really good, and yeah, definitely, definitely recommend going out and checking out some of this because I thought they did a really good job. And I think, I think from what I've heard, maybe maybe put on a better show than AEW tonight. So I'd be surprised. Yeah. That's always something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I really enjoyed this. I think we've got a piece of feedback. It's there's a little bit of people going back and forth on the Facebook group and on the forum. Oh, no, but uh, the crowd was chanting, "We want fire," and we do have fire. Frank here with some feedback. He says, "Very fun show. I thought every match was good except the hardcore war, but even that had a good ending sequence and a shocking post match angle. Women's Ultimate X was a great sprint, and they all worked hard and did some crazy spots." Macklin continues to impress, but wow, I hope he's okay after smacking his head like that. Ring of Honor title match was a nice slice of technical wrestling. Jonah and Josh had a very physical, hard-hitting match. That dive by Josh was nuts. Mickey and Deonna had a lot to follow, but they worked very hard and did some brutal spots there. Much respect to them. Even the world title three-way was better than I expected, with some crazy spots like Moose flying out the ring and crashing scarily into that table. Tom was great in his Impact debut. He and D'Lo had good chemistry already, and he clearly did his homework on Impact, as well as throwing in some Easter eggs throughout the night. Everyone had their working boots on and a hot Dallas crowd to boot. All told, really had a good time tonight watching it and definitely felt worth the money. A good start to 2022 for Impact. Yeah, I, I almost felt like we've had so much good wrestling this year. It felt like a lot of these guys kind of, wanted to prove themselves and be like, hey, we're here too. Because there was a lot of energy this show, which I haven't necessarily felt the others. A lot were kind of pushing themselves beyond what we're normally seeing. Um, and it felt I mean, like, yeah, mate, you had like almost one of those old ECW Paul Heyman rally rally speeches before this pay-per-view. Because I, th- I thought everyone really brought it tonight. Yeah, I mean, imagine having to have a show following... Three Wrestle Kingdom shows, a New Year's Evil special, 
Hangman Page and Brian Danielson, and then it's like, okay, you guys go on last. Do your best. Yeah. Like, if I if I was Josh Alexander and everybody's talking about like Kenny and Brian and Page as like wrestler of the year, I'd be like, yo, fuck that. Like, did mm. you see what I did last year? If not, see what I do tonight. And then Jonah's probably like, yeah, I got fired. Watch what I can do. Like, you know, like these guys have something to prove. Like, they're like the, the chip on the shoulder. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, a lot of these guys are some of the best wrestlers in the world, but people don't give them the time of day, unfortunately. And unfortunately, that could be because of the partnership last year. People had a little hype behind AEW, and AEW didn't get a chance to prove themselves, with the exception of what, Gallows and Anderson? Like, showing up on, uh, on AEW every week. But, like, look at Deanna Perazzo. She was pissed off. Like, how come women aren't going through the Forbidden Door? Like, she, she was yeah. campaigning to fight Britt Baker the entire year. Britt Baker wanted it. They never did it. And now look at Mickey James. She's going through the biggest door there is, you know? So it's it's crazy. But th- this year um, should be pretty interesting. And uh, with the Ring of Honor stuff, I'm really looking forward to this. I want to see Gresham. I want to see Roxy. I'm really high praise on Roxy. I think her and Deanna, if Deanna's healthy, could have a really banger of a match whenever that airs. Yeah, I mean, I think Impact has that TNA stink still. And a lot of people kind of refuse to get past that and just refuse to kind of check them out. But, which is a shame, because I, I think they do put on some good stuff, and tonight was an example of that. Um, well, there you have it. That's that's everything from us tonight. Uh, John, do you have... Uh, what do you have going on? Anything you'd like to plug before we say goodnight? Yeah, just a little change in the, the schedule, I guess you could say, for a shot in the dark, because now with um, Ring of Honor no longer having new material, um, I'll be watching some other shows, and I know NWA recently started putting their shows on YouTube, so if you guys used to like NWA, and then they went behind the fire uh, i'm sorry the fight tv paywall and you didn't get a chance they put up their shows on fridays now they have a new show on saturdays called nwa usa which just premiered today so i'll be talking about that now on a weekly basis uh they're having like their junior heavyweight tournament division so that should be pretty interesting um nxt uk this coming week we have what could be walter's last match in nxt uk against um nathan frazier or aka ben carter if you guys remember him from his AEW stint so that should be great um 205 live continues to be 205 live until joe gacy decides to change it um but yeah you know this is a weekly basis check out my uh, my mlw um reports mlw just recently came back with their azteca shows which is like them having shows out of mexico so some real like lucha underground type vibes there and uh, my weekly AEW reports on postwrestling.com as well yeah shot in the dark is a weekly show on this feed uh the up next feed where uh john covers all those shows he just mentions in less than 15 minutes so catches you up with the whole world of wrestling everything you've missed and then obviously Braden and myself cover up uh nxt 2.0 every tuesday night on this feed and live on twitch tv slash up next podcast and aw dynamite every wednesday night at 10 15 also and we've put out a bunch of shows over the last few weeks on the Patreon, patreon.com slash up next. Um, most recently, we put up our best match ever 2021 part one, where we're going through matches 10 through to six as voted by you and us of your favorite matches of the year. And we've got part two coming out this Monday. So for only five bucks, you get that plus almost 400 shows in a back, back catalog. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please give us a like and hit that subscribe button just below there. All of that helps us out so, so much. Well, there you have it. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Davey Portman. Follow the Up Next Twitter at Up Next Podcast and join the Up Next Facebook group. Just type in Up Next Group on Facebook. And John, where can we find you? You can find me at Evil, C-N-O-E-V-I-L on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, TikTok, 
Snapchat, Tinder. I'm everywhere. Look me up. I'll be around. Uh, yeah, shout out to everybody. Shout out to you guys for that, that great intro on the um, the 2021 Best Match Ever Part 1. That was a great intro. You guys, check it out. Obviously it got you the hyped show, for the that, matches. But that, yeah, that, every time you guys do those intros, I feel like I'm about to watch like this epic like movie like <laughs> with the score and the music playing and everything. It's It's fantastic. Love it. They're, they're fun to make as well. Absolutely. Yeah, go and, go and check that out uh, on the Patreon. Well, good night, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the show. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Take care, be safe, and hardcore country. Oh, boy. Dan, so glad we were able to meet today. Thanks for coming over. Whoa, what's that? Pretty awesome, right? It's my new FlexiSpot E7 Pro Plus standing desk. Goes from sitting to standing with the push of a button. You know, I've been thinking about getting a desk like that. I have back pain from being in a chair all day. But I feel like they're either cheap and flimsy or crazy expensive. That's why I went with FlexiSpot. This desk is super sturdy but totally affordable. The base is made of automotive-grade carbon steel. Sit on it. Okay. Hey, this is cool. All right, I want in on one of these. Where do I find FlexiSpot? Just go to their website, FlexiSpot.com. And go right now because they're giving an extra $80 off their already low prices. Go to FlexiSpot.com and use code 80OFF to get an extra $80 off the E7 Pro Plus standing desk. Backed by an industry-leading 15-year warranty. Don't wait. This special offer will not last long. Go to FlexiSpot.com and use code 80OFF. That's F-L-E-X-I-S-P-O-T.com. Go to FlexiSpot.com now. Hey there, BreezeLine has a holiday gift just for you. One month of free internet for all your family's gift sites, book flights, and movie nights. Get reliable, fast internet with speeds starting at 100 megabits per second for just $19.99 a month. Plus, free Wi-Fi your way home for the first 12 months. And your first month is free. BreezeLine wishes you all a happy and bright holiday season. If only they could give you a little holiday relief from all the matching family outfits. Service subject to availability. New residential customers in select areas only. Visit BreezeLine.com for complete offer details.